Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. Praise God. I do thank all you guys for coming out today. Um, despite some of you guys' requests to wear my jacket from uh, the celebration last week, I could not do that. You guys don't know that that jacket was hot. I'm talking about temperature-wise. So there was no way that I could get up and preach in that jacket. But the jacket would have to make another appearance. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. So if we could go ahead and get started, go ahead and go to the Word. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. When you turn, I'll go ahead and pray. Father God, I do just thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to be before your people, another opportunity, God, to share, God, what you have placed inside of me, Father, and I don't take it lightly, Lord. And Father, as I, I step into what you've called me to do, Father, I just pray, Lord, that I decrease, Lord, so that you can increase, oh God. Although they, they see me, Father, I desire that they hear you, Lord. Father, whisper in their ears, God, touch their hearts on today. Father, I pray, God, that they leave, Father, encouraged and strengthened, O Lord. Father, and joyful and relaxed in you, Lord God. We just honor you, we praise you, and we give your name the glory. And it's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 So Timothy is actually a book that was written by Paul uh, to Timothy, and their relationship was a a father-son relationship. And in his words, you can kind of tell it's it's words of encouragement, it's guidance, uh, things that a father would tell their son. Uh, So as as we read these words, just kind of think about that uh, as we go through it. And the Word of God says in in verse 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in the greediness and pierced themselves through themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O God, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of, of many witnesses. So that, that scripture or that, that line that says, fight the good fight of faith. That just has been resonating in my spirit for a while now because if, if I had to sum up this walk, this would actually be a scripture I would use, fight the good fight of faith, the good fight of faith, because it is, it is good, right, no matter what happens on this world, that our eternal uh, salvation is sold up with him and we reign with him forever. His name, Jesus' name is the good shepherd. The word says, for the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. The word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's all good, you can say, in the kingdom, right? But the fight, it is, it is a fight. It's always a fight in this flesh. <laughs> Every day. And 
silly me, I, when I got saved, I thought it would get easier, but it seems like it's getting harder. You have to fight in your mind, fight stinking thinking, foolish thoughts from coming in. We fight on our jobs. We fight in, in, our, in our marriages, but, but good fights, though, because we're all striving to be better, right? We fight to raise our children. And that's one of the things that, that's really God has been, been showing me because uh, the fight is, is not against them, it's, it's for them. And I praise God, I have good kids, so that's, that's what I've been seeing. And the position that God has me in as a teacher, he's been showing me reasons why this fight is so strong. And one of the, the reasons is things are a lot different now. Every, we're not on the same page anymore. When, when I was a kid, I know I'm not the only one that has gotten a spanking from somebody other than their parents, whether it was a church mother. Um, I told you before, growing up, I used to get in fights. I remember going to the principal, getting a paddling with a thick piece of wood, and going back to class. And when I, I tell kids that now, they look at me like I'm telling them a ghost story, some old folklore or something. And they would have the audacity now to look at you and, and tell you, well, you're not my mother, you're not my daddy. As if that would matter back in the day. It really didn't matter. We couldn't formulate that. Uh, it couldn't formulate that in our minds to even to even say that. And some people, some people say the technology. They say, you know, they do spend too much time on technology. But I, I feel like it's the message behind the technology. Because when we grew up, it's not like we grew up in the caveman era, right? We we had. Um, Ataris and uh, those game console things. We had TVs, we had radios, our knucklehead friends. We had stuff to get into, but the message was different. I want y'all, I'm gonna give y'all some homework. I want y'all to go back and look at a few old episodes of Good Times. Go back and look at it, and I want you to notice how many times they showed JJ taking his hat off and saying the grace. Go back and look at it. I want you to notice. How many times they show Florida praying? Go back and notice it. Her husband James wasn't even saved, but he still reverenced the Lord. Let's go back and look at it. They even had a picture of Jesus on the wall in the background. What kind of show is our kids going to watch where they're they going get to all, get all that? The, the message is so different. Even, even the laws are different. I can remember um, growing up and seeing it, it was illegal for a man to even put on women's clothes and go down the street. They called it cross-dressing. And they would, they would lock them up. They would announce on the news. But now it's, stuff is different. They, they're, getting the, they're getting different messages now. And the, the fight is also what I'm saying. I, I'm kind of going back a little bit. But when I was growing up, and I grew up with older parents, so they would tell me about when you had to walk to school, you had to walk to work, you had to work in the field and, and do all that kind of stuff. And now things are different. If our car break down, we're just going to call a ride. We're going to call Uber. We're going to do something. And I see the crops in the field. I see the corn. I don't see anybody out there picking it. So, so this, despite how, how we feel sometimes, we're not coming up on the rough side of the mountain anymore like our parents. And I just believe in the spirit that we were part of the generation where, where God just opened up and he just, he just poured more of his spirit, more of his understanding, more of his word, more of his blessings, more of his favor upon us to the point where it's almost like 
we're, we're Jacob and, and Caleb, I mean, Caleb and Joshua, where we got a people at the promised land, and we're carrying these big grapes, and we're telling our kids, hey, listen, you can have all of this and more if you just stay in God. So I believe that the fight is more about just keeping our kids in God. If you, you remember a couple of weeks ago when, when Michael uh, Cotton came and all those um, prophecies over the kids and stuff. And I know some of it was, was uh, revelation, but some of it was confirmation because I believe your, your God has spoke to you about your kids. He, he spoke to our kids uh, when they were in the womb. And I'm seeing some of that stuff uh, even come to pass now. So the fight is to, to get them to stay in God because you, you're using your wisdom. You don't already been through Egypt. You don't got your car repossessed. Foreclosed, you don't had all this stuff, and so you're trying to keep them in God, but you know in order to, to, to get God's promises that they have to stay in God. Amen. And and I and I know for me, I don't even I want my kids to go through the stuff that I went through. I, I just they could pass, go, collect two hundred dollars and just go right on into God's blessing. That's that's really that's really what I would want. That that's really if I'll be honest, that's what I want. I don't need them trying to sweat looking for a job trying to put nickels together to go and eat, don't have no food. I don't want to see do, them do none of that stuff. I'd rather them just, just go on in to, to, to God's blessing. The faith part. The faith part is, is interesting. The good fight of faith and it's, it's interesting because when you first think of a fight, you think of fighting for something that you don't have. You can fight to keep things, but sometimes that's, that's not, most of that's not the first thing that, that comes to mind. So the faith, we, the Bible says that we're dealt the, the measure of faith. So we, we have the faith, and so the fight is to keep it. And maybe that's what's, why it's a good fight, because it's a fight to keep something that God has, has given you. And, and that's kind of where I've, I've been in my life for the past six months or so. It seems as though it, it's good. It seems interesting. It's, it's good, but it's, a, it's a still a fight. My relationship with God is, is good, but it's a fight. I've got to get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning just to get, to get a word, to get some prayer in, to get some worship. i got to fight. My, my job is good. I'm in a career now where it's wide open. I, I, can, I can be a professor. I can be a principal. I've seen um, uh, an application to go to Japan and teach and not even have to know Japanese. And it's, it's so wild, wide open, but the, the fight is, I, I, I do believe that I am called to do something in education, but the fight is to do in it what I'm called to do and not just to Come jump at something now. because it looks good. Because right. yeah. yeah. if I do that, I'm still out of the wheel. It still affects my family. It still affects my church family, my spiritual growth and things. So you want to make sure uh, that you are doing that. Even if my marriage, I'll say my, my marriage is, to use apostle scale, it's, it's good on the way to greatness. And I'll say it's not a, it's not a bad thing because I know a lot of people out there with a, a bad marriage that would trade for a good marriage. And I'll tell you one of the things that, that, made, it, that made it turn, and it was that word fight. And, and I, in our marriage, everybody has that one thing, but ours was trying to find time together so much going on. And, and we honestly, we, we fight over the past 15 years or so. We have fought more about time than money. Our money fights are basically just about giving and saving. That's pretty much it. But when it comes to time between us having kids, between work, between us going to school, other responsibilities, and so that, that, that was a fight there for that time. And I remember the, the day I said it, I said, you know what? I don't want to fight 
about time. I want to fight for it. And when I, when I told Chastity that and she saw that I was real, she saw me telling people no, telling the kids no and stuff like that, I think we just got on the plane and just headed on to greatness. And I praise God for that. But my, my point is that even though things may be going good, we still have to be watchful. Because it's still a fight, but we still have to be watchful. And so I thought about the, the, the watchmen that are on the tower. Sometimes they are sitting there watching. Things are good. It's not necessarily it might be a, a wartime or, a, 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 or someone coming to attack. But there is a time to be prepared, even though so that you'll be ready when something else happens. Go a little bit in the word. Let's go to, to Mark 13 and 32. Mark 13. And the word of God says, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and command the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening at the midnight, at the crowning of, of the rooster, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now, this is Jesus talking, and he's, he's referencing uh, watching for when he comes back. But at the same time, he's, he's telling us to watch. Yeah, we're, we're watching for, uh, for him to come back, but we should be uh, watching the spirit, watching the, the atmosphere, watching when we go into places. If things are off, we can start praying, watching, watching people uh, uh, countenance. We can watch and, and, and give them a word of encouragement. A Greek word, Gregorico, and I struggle with this word the whole time, Gregorio, that's it. It's a Greek word that means to keep awake, to watch, uh, and to take heed. Because as Jesus commanded, he, he's telling us to, to watch, right? Even um, Let's go to Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62 and 6. I actually have it on the screen, I think. Yeah, I actually do. It says, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord do not keep, sleep, do not keep silent. And give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes a Jerusalem, till he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Right? In uh, the the New Testament, this is uh, the the Lord's prayer actually kind of references this, where uh, when it says, "May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth," right, and that we should be praying without ceasing, praying until uh, he comes back. That's what uh, watchmen would do until. Until it's time, right? They would keep watch. They were they were set up on. Um, they was on these 
these big podiums, watchtowers that were around the city gates. And so they would be the first one that would uh, see danger or see an enemy approaching, maybe a, a messenger. So they were the ones that would, would kind of see up front. So their position was up high so they could see uh, who was coming, if there was danger that was coming near. Um, the, the most famous one, I think, in the word is uh, when God calls Ezekiel uh, to be a watchman. It's over in uh, Ezekiel chapter 3, uh, verse, six, verse 16. Let's look at this one. If you turn there, I want to read that to you. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 16. And the word of God says, Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them a warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his, his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. And so the first thing that we know that a watchman does is, is, is they're going to watch, right? They're going to watch and they're going to warn. When I, when I hear these, these two words, uh, watch and warn, I think about a thunderstorm or a tornado, right? The difference between watch and warning, right? A tornado warning, you've seen something. So they've got to report it. You've got to take cover. The, 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 the watch means that based upon the clouds, based upon the atmosphere, that the conditions are right for a storm. But if the enemy is roaming around like a lion, seeking whom he could destroy, it's always a right time for a strike. That's like saying, not hyping up the devil because he is defeated, but that's like saying we get a phone call and say that, be careful when you leave, there's something outside that looks like a lion that's walking around. How, how would we leave? Would, would we kind of peep out? No, we would kind of get uh, spiritual and say, you know what, I'm just going to stay in and pray. <laughs> the animal control, <laughs> right? We're going we're gonna to be watching. And in, in the natural, I'm one of those, I don't have any military training, but I watch everything. When I go somewhere, if, if it's new, I, first thing I do is I find my exit doors. I'm watching the people around me. I'm watching the, the entrance doors. If my kids take too long in the bathroom, I'm timing them. And all this, I'm still having a good time. I'm talking, uh, but I'm, I'm watching and, and, and I'm looking. And <laughs> I'm going to let you in. God has blessed me with 2015 vision <laughs> that, that, that the doctors say that it's listed as better than perfect. So there ain't too much I'm going to miss. <laughs> it, it is not too much. <laughs> we be at home. I see when the kids... Uh, put the wrong timer on the microwave from across the room. <laughs> and Chastity say, you see that? You make me sick. You get on my nerves. <laughs> oh, my goodness, it's funny. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a blessing from the Lord. And one day I told him, I said, I was afraid to ask uh, to, to make my spiritual eyes like my natural eyes. I didn't know what he was going to show me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I did ask him to increase my spiritual eyes. 
Lord, just help me see past that person that's smiling, that's saying everything is okay, but they're not. So if I could help them, please allow me to, to see it and, and help them. Lord, help me to, help me to see that, that person that's trying to do me wrong so I can get in front of it and connect it because I don't have to deal with it on the other side with bitterness and unforgiveness. I'd rather see it coming and tackle it straight on. Glory be to God. So the, 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 the worst, the, the worst, or I would say, I guess the best, the worst lesson, however you want to look at it, is that I, I ha- I've gotten is when I got sucker punched. The ones you don't see, the ones that, man, I didn't believe that they said this. I didn't believe that they would do this. Them the ones that hurt the worst because you ain't looking for it. And it doesn't take a hard hit. When you're not looking for it, I'm not saying being paranoid or, or, or always being on the defense, but I'm just saying being spiritually, just being, just watching and jumping out in, in front of things. The next, the next one that uh, God tells Ezekiel is to warn his people to blow the trumpet. Now, this is something that I do, I do believe there's levels in this, but I, I do feel that, that God is calling his people to be wise and to, and to be watchmen. And the first warning that we need to be sounding is that Jesus is coming. Through our words, through our actions, we've got to let people know that Jesus is real, he's alive, that he's coming back. So that's the the first warning shot. I know on our jobs, for me particularly, some of the the things that I'm seeing, I love when when parents ask me what's what's going on, because I don't hold back. And I feel like that's one of the, maybe one of the reasons God has me where, where I am, for me to see things. Because I go ahead and tell them, you're your child's best advocate. It's no different than, I, I can't tell you two things about a car. But when I go to the mechanic, you best believe I'm going to look behind and see at least, does the part look new? Does it look like they even touched it? Yeah. Something. Yeah. Don't, don't just send your kids and, and just... I say, oh, well, it's, it's up to the teacher. Because I'm telling you now that there are hidden things that go, that go on behind the scenes that most people don't know. And I'm willing to just sound the alarm and just to warn people. And I, I'll tell them that there are, there are millions of kids that are not on grade level. They are not. They, they are five and six and seven grade levels behind. But society says, well, teachers aren't teaching. Well, hold up. Wait a minute. Mathematically speaking, before your child has gotten to me, they have had eight math teachers. So you're telling me that no, all eight were bad? Is that what you want to tell me? All eight of them? I can give you three or four. We can split it. But you're not, you're not going to tell me that all eight were bad. There has to be some sort of accountability. They, they are, and you can Google everything I'm telling you, you can Google it. They are forecasting out and building prisons based upon third grade test scores. That's what they're doing. So not only do they see it that they're behind, they're expecting them to stay behind to feed into the prison system. It's all, it's all working together. The prison, the school, even the real estate. There are schools that are forging the numbers to make it seem like they're better than what they are so that people will buy houses in that neighborhood. And them schools ain't all that. 
Yeah, I'm sounding the alarm. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because it, it bothers me. I'm going to sound it. When you Google the statistics on this, our, our black kids are performing the worst. They are at the very bottom. And please understand, don't, don't get me wrong at what, what I'm saying here. I'm, I'm behind anybody that wants to work hard, that wants to come over, make a better life for themselves. But I still have to ask myself this question. How is it that people can come over here and learn the language and outperform our black kids in reading, math, social studies, and science? What is going on? That's deeper than all oh, where the teachers aren't teaching. That's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. And when I think about how hard my people fought to even desegregate schools, and now you want to walk around with your pants sagging as if somebody owes you something, as if it's cool to get D's and F's. No, I'm sounding the alarm. I'm telling it. I'm telling it. And some of the stuff, some of the stuff I know people are not going to like it. You know what? I don't really care because it needs to be said. Because I've sat and watched too long where people have blamed schools, they've blamed teachers, they've blamed this and that, but you're going to have to make kids accountable. And I'm telling you, that's my warning. Because there are systems out there that are working against your kids. I'm telling you point blank. So you need to tell your friends, your family members, your neighbors, you need to tell them to stay on their kids and make sure that they are learning what they're supposed to learn. I, I know what the teacher's going to teach my son before they tell him. I still act like I ain't got a clue. I, what, what y'all learned today? Where, how you do that? Get a sheet of paper over there. Let me see what you're doing. I act, I act like I don't have a clue half the time. They don't come ask me for questions because I think they forget I'm a math teacher because <laughs> I played dumb with them so much, but I'm just checking. Get a book, sit down and read with me for 30 minutes. Let me check and make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do. I'm telling you, I'm going to sound the alarm. Every time somebody asks me, I'm not going to hold back. If you got any questions, you come and see me about this school system. The last thing that God told Ezekiel was to hear. And if, when you read it, he even told him what he was going to say. And I, I brought this up because I know we all love hearing from God. We all want to know the deep things, and we all want to uh, get understanding and revelation from God. And it, it, it happens. He does do that. But there are some times when he doesn't speak. And in those times, it's easy to think quickly, oh, I've done something, or I've missed the mark. And that's not true. I know there's sometimes, I thought, but there's sometimes that I don't feel like talking. I know he's God, he's a deity, but it just might be a time. If we're on the watchtower, it could be times when nothing's not happening. It could be simple as that. So not, not beating our, ourselves up when we don't hear something. Because our God cares for us. I told you before, uh, I, I pray I ask God to help me find parking spots. Right, I'm going to tell you what I, this is silly right here, what I did. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a huge game show fanatic, right? I'll I, I watch just about any game show uh, once any, to try. But there's one I'm hooked on called To Tell the Truth. I love this game. I don't know if you've seen it. But what they do is 
they bring out, they'll bring out a real live person. It might be somebody that uh, survived a, a bear attack or uh, a real, you know, karate expert or something like that. And they'll bring out the real person and two people that are lying. And so they have a, a celebrity panel that asks them questions and try to figure out who's telling the truth. And I'm horrible at this, this show, but I love it. And one day I was watching, watching it, and they brought out a real voodoo priest. I kid you not, they, they had all three of them, right? They had his face painted, brought his little props out, and I'm looking, and I, I started off by, I said, Lord, you know I ain't no good at this game. But I just believe your spirit is in me, which is good, can tell me who is evil. Do you know that God showed me which one was evil? He even told me, look at his eyes, and they asked the questions. And lo and behold, it was the right one. I jumped up like I was the, the person that won the game. I was so ecstatic. It was, it was more, not just that I got it right, that, that I heard from God. And my point is, our God cares about us enough to answer a game show question. He cares enough to know the numbers of hair on your head. God is not mad with you when you don't hear something. You can always turn to his word and look at what he already said. Glory be to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When I went through the word, I, I was looking for an, an example of where it, it was someone that was a watchman and, and had to turn to a, a warrior. Because right? there are times where it is, like I said, it's peace times, there's time for war. Um, and God took me over to Moses. Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. While you turn there, if you remember the story, uh, Moses was given up uh, because there was a decree to, to kill all the, the male babies. And so uh, Pharaoh's daughter ended up with him, and he grew up in, the, uh, in Pharaoh's camp. So he was there getting the food. I'm sure he was getting the training. Uh, and seeing everything that was happening. Um, and then, before he went to the wilderness, he, he killed one um, of Pharaoh's people that was uh, beating up on one of his fellow I Israelites. Uh, and then when he went into exile, uh, when he met his wife Zipporah uh, at the water well, uh, there were some shepherds that were bothering them, and then he took them out and drew the water for us. So there was actually two fights right there, two occasions where God was using Moses to defend someone else. So he had already placed in Moses what he was calling him to do. If you pick up in, in chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they would not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled uh, from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. 
that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob uh, has, has appeared to you. So when God asked Moses, what is in your hand? Right? He, didn't, he didn't ask him what was in his heart. He didn't ask him what was in his head, what he thought about it. He asked him what was in his hand. What did he already have in his possession that he was using to do the job that he was doing that God was going to use for him to do another job? And I, I thought about, there's, there's another game, and God speaks to me differently through different, different things, but there's a game that, uh, it's a game called What's in Your Purse? And mo a lot of women, uh, I've seen, of course, women played it, right? like showers and things like that. And what they do is they, uh, you start off at the alphabet. You may say, well, who has an apple in your purse or who has a button in your purse or something like that. And you're pulling out uh, different things. And when it starts off, it starts off kind of slow because you, you don't really have those things. But then after the game goes on, it gets exciting to see, okay, what do you have in your purse? What do you have, and, and who, who wins at the end? And that's the, that's the way God does with us. There's so many things that he's placed inside of us, so many things that we use and that we may not even be aware of until he calls upon it, until he asks us, what is in your hand? What is it that, I, that I've placed in you that I can use for my glory? What is it that, that you already have that will glorify me to other people? Mm. What is it that I've placed in you that where my light can shine through you? That you can be a warrior. That you can be a leader. That you can stand out in a crowd of, of thousands. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. The next question that, that, that I thought about was that when Moses, he, he already had it in his hand. He was already using it. Saints, when you're faced with a battle, you got to have something in your hand. You got to have the word of God. You got to have prayer. You got to have the, the, the unchanging hand of God Almighty. You got to have a, a friend. You got to have something because it's a different, when you're in a fight and you're playing, it's different. But when you're in a real fight with a real enemy that's trying to kill you, you got to have something in your hand. As anointed as David was, as called as he was, he still had a slingshot and three smooth stones in his hand to take down Goliath. Don't try to fight empty-handed. Don't try to fight on your own, people of God. So that's what that says. When you, when you don't have anything in your hand, that's what that says, that you, you're trying, you're okay, I, God, I don't, I don't need anything. I can go ahead and do this on my own. This ain't a fair fight, saints, that we're on. This is a real enemy that wants to take you out, that wants to take your kids out, that wants to incept your mind, incept your heart, make you turn around. And it is not to be played with. We definitely got to be on, on the lookout and continue to, to press towards the mark. There's a few last thoughts that I do want to leave you with. Some characteristics of, of a warrior that I noticed in, in Moses. And mind you, this is, this is all before, really, he even got to Egypt, right? Before he even 
confronted Pharaoh, before he even led the people out, and they encountered the Red Sea. A warrior's power is in what he can do and not what he can't. If you remember when, when God confronted Moses, he began to talk about what if he couldn't speak, uh, that he couldn't speak, what if they, they won't listen. He was doing all those things, but the, the signs that God showed him was he threw down the staff, he healed his, his hand uh, from leprosy, right? And remember he told him to get the water from, from the Nile and turn uh, the, the water into blood. All three things had nothing to do with speech. So really what all God needed was a willing heart, someone that's so obedient. It had nothing to do with his speech because all he wanted to do was to say a couple of words, let my people go. That was, all, that was all I needed him to say. That was, that was all he needed to say. Just remember that your power is in what you can do and not what you can't. Next one is, warriors move forward no matter what it looks like. So sometimes what we're looking at can fool you. Sometimes it's, it's a mirage. It's, 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 it's not real. Sometimes uh, it'll have you thinking that it's worse than, than what it really is. Moses took in courage. He took in um, despite what he was feeling, and press forward, right? If, if you fast forward it to uh, when they got to the Red Sea, he still moved forward. So if you have enough faith to keep moving, God can move what's in front of you so that you can move forward. The last thing I want to leave you with, warriors don't hate, don't have to be flawless. They have to be fearless. Yes. Kind of like what, we, what Michelle talked about today. If you read on, you remember that uh, Moses did not uh, circumcise his son. So on the way to, to, to Egypt, actually his wife Zipporah had to do it for him. And a lot of scholars, when I researched this, they, they were different sides to it. Some say that... Um, it was Zipporah's fault that because she was from Midian, she didn't uh, want it done, or that he was sick on the way to Egypt and couldn't do it. Um, but despite all that, God still gave Moses an assignment before he had circumcised his son. He still gave him a work to do. So in, in our lives, like I said before, it easy, it's easy to, to get caught in what we, where we messed up at. I missed the mark. I missed you, God. I didn't do what you said. I didn't spend enough time with you. I didn't call that person when you told me to call. I didn't read when you told me to read. We get caught up in, in, in our flaws, but God is just looking for fearlessness. He's looking for somebody to, to just move out despite our imperfections, despite our shortcomings, to stand out and trust him. That's what he's looking for. It's obedience. You don't have to be the most, most elegant. Moses wasn't. You don't have to be. All he's looking for is somebody to be obedient, to say yes, and to push forward. That's what I'm, that's what he's wanting. That's it. That's it. I don't, I don't know where you are today. You might be at a place, things might be good, and then praise God. It could be. 
Or you might be at a place where you're on the top of that, that tower and you see the enemy coming. You see him getting closer and closer and closer. And it might be time to, to transform into a warrior. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.